This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Monday, January 11th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. Once again, we are trying to learn about the origins of the coronavirus that has caused the global pandemic. A team of scientists from the WHO is beginning an investigation as to how it has emerged. While the leading theory is that the virus jumped from bats to humans, another theory posits that it could all have been an accident, a virus made more infectious in a lab through something called gain-of-function research. Nicholson Baker, author of 17 books and contributor to New York Magazine, joins us to talk about his lab leak hypothesis as we try to understand the origins of COVID-19 so we can prevent the next pandemic. And Nicholson, we wanted to bring you on for this really in-depth piece that you worked on. It's titled The Lab Leak Hypothesis. We've been going through the pandemic for quite some time now. Obviously, we were learning about this virus in real time as we're going. We now have vaccines being rolled out all over the place. We're hoping that we can get back to normal pretty soon. But in all of this, in the year, maybe a little over of, over a year that we've been dealing with this now, we still don't know the origins of the virus. And right now, there's a team of scientists that are working with the WHO that are trying to go to China to investigate some of this. There's been a little stuff going on with them. Some scientists weren't allowed into the country. But really, we don't know where this all came from. And you wrote an article about how you think this might have all been an accident. It might have come out of a lab. And this is a hypothesis we've heard from many people before. So Nicholson, tell us a little bit about what your thought process is on this. I guess I'm puzzled like everybody else. If there's something terrible that happens that convulses the entire world, you want to know where it came from. And I just happened to have written a book about well, about, about germ warfare in the Korean War and whether or not the United States had used biological weapons in a small way in that war, in an experimental way. So my mind was filled with lab accidents. There were many accidents in the United States when people were trying to concoct some of these germ weapons, which may or may not have been used in that time. So I was just thinking of all that. And all of a sudden, suddenly, we're all in the middle of this catastrophe and asking where it came from is not 
an impermissible question. It's in a way the crucial question because you have to know what you're dealing with. If you're dealing with something that, although it was originally natural, diseases are natural, but was modified in some way in a laboratory as part of a well-intentioned experiment to make a vaccine of some kind against all sorts of coronaviruses, which is one of the research programs that was going. That's a different kind of organism than an organism that has evolved zoonotically in the wild. And I don't, I don't pretend that I have evidence because there has been no real investigation. What I have is a series of complicated moments that are really weird, you know, and then I have what other people have suspected themselves. And so that I try to give the reader enough to chew on that he or she can make her own decision. And there's definitely a ton there. I suggest everybody go out and look at it. The Lab Leak Hypothesis on New York Magazine. And let's talk about some of the hypothesized origins, right? So we know a lot of people say they think it jumped from animals to humans in this wet market in China. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in that sense. You also write about gain-of-function experiments, which is kind of what you're alluding to right now, where we get these viruses, we try to work with them, see what makes them tick, make them more transmissible so that we can plan for it in the future. You know, if a pandemic breaks out, we already have some experience. We know what to do with it. And there's some evidence that could point to this as well. Explain a little bit what these gain-of-function experiments are like. Sure. Well, first, let's give full attention to the dominant theory, because I'm offering something that is definitely a minority view, and people should know that, and also should know that although I speak for some scientists, many, many scientists think that I'm doing something that is both irresponsible and wrong-headed, you know? (laughs) So, So be sure that your listeners know that what I'm saying is a minority view. But The majority view, the zoonotic idea, is that it's a bat disease, and I agree with it, but it's a disease that bats carry a lot of these coronaviruses, and somehow or other, the supposition is that a bat was infected by two different kinds of coronavirus, and that a recombinant event happened, and they developed this highly, highly infectious kind of virus the bat did, and then somehow it hopped to a human being and in southern China where the bats are, and there was no outbreak of disease down there. And then somehow that human being went to Wuhan and the disease just took off. The other zoonotic hypothesis is that the the bats infected an intermediate animal, say a pangolin, with this coronavirus, and the pangolin was simultaneously infected with a different coronavirus, and the recombinant event happened there. So that's the belief that it happened in the wild with any human meddling and all that. My belief is a little bit different, and it has to do with the fact that for the past 15 years or so, in America especially, there's been a lot of government money has been spent in trying to come up with ways to be prepared for new emergent diseases. So a disease comes at you, you want to not have to spend a year finding a vaccine. You want to have an off-the-shelf vaccine that would be ready almost immediately. And then to do that, you have to try to look ahead at what nature might throw at you. So in American laboratories, virologists would take a virus and then change it a little bit so that it was more infectious to humanized mice that exhibited some of the characteristics of human beings. 
And so that work has been going on. What's different is that that work started to go on in China. And China has the largest, in this laboratory in Wuhan, has the largest inventory of obscure bad viruses on the planet. And one of them is the closest virus, the closest virus in its sequence to the coronavirus that is now causing us so much trouble. And that's why attention, obviously, focused on this laboratory. You mentioned vaccines and trying to kind of create this platform where we can have these vaccines pumped out a little faster. That's kind of what happened with these mRNA vaccines. They were able to sequence the genome of the virus and apply that to these mRNA vaccines. Those are the most, according to the clinical trials, the most successful ones that we're rolling out right now. So in a sense, this platforming has worked on all that. You did mention, obviously, about the lab in Wuhan and The United States has a bunch of similar labs, but we kind of suspect it came out of this area. And I think even one of the principal people that worked at the lab, when they started hearing about this virus, they said, wow, that sounds kind of like one of the ones that we have in our lab. As you mentioned, they house this other virus that is very, very similar to it. So that is, I think, a piece of not evidence like a lab notebook or something, but it's interesting that Xi Zhongli, who is a distinguished, hardworking, I'm sure earnest Chinese scientist who works at this new high-level virology lab in Wuhan, was told that there was this new strain of very bad kind of respiratory disease. And her first thought was, oh my God, is it from our lab? And then she looked at it, she looked at the sequence, compared it with her database and thought, phew, okay. And she said to the interviewer, this was a piece in Scientific American, I was so relieved, I couldn't sleep a wink. Well, that the importance of that is that her first thought was the kinds of experiments that I'm doing, the kinds of bad viruses that I'm storing are like this. This is the kind of thing we're talking about. Right. She worked for years to prove in collaboration with an American scientist, Ralph Barrick, that it was possible to have a direct infection that would go directly from bats, horseshoe bats, to human beings without an intermediary. That was one of the things that they were proving. And they would prove that by kind of turning up the dial on these viruses and making them more infectious to the kinds of human tissues that they were likely to encounter, especially the human airway tissue. So there are experiments that are going on funded by the National Institutes for Humanity in North Carolina, in other labs in the United States, and in Wuhan, all funded by American science, the American government scientific establishment, to determine whether there was a way to tweak a certain bat virus, tweak the spike protein of this thing, in order for it to be more easily infectious in human airways. And that just gives me a cold chill because... That's not good karma. I mean, that's just not a good idea. The reason why I felt that it was, and other people have done a good job explaining this problem, but I just felt it was useful to put it all together in one place, which is that there were very smart, very highly credentialed American scientists in 2014, 2015, 2016, saying over and over again, Don't do this kind of experiment. This is called a gain-of-function experiment. That was the sort of the term of art that they came up with. It's kind of a vague euphemism. But in other words, don't invent new diseases, new variant strains, 
of highly infectious diseases and test them out and see if they're highly infectious because creating a threat in the laboratory is also just simply creating a threat. And laboratories are run by human beings and leaks happen and stuff gets out. And I want to reiterate what you said. You know, you're not saying this is the truth. This is exactly what happened. You're just kind of putting Mm -hmm. a lot of information together so people can make those determinations on their own. That's why we have scientists with the WHO that are going to China, attempting to go to China to look Mm -hmm. into these origins. So I appreciate the fact that you made that very clear. And you're right throughout our history, and you detail some of this in the article. We might not have time for it right now, but you detail how throughout our history in these labs and things like that, these things have gotten out, maybe not to large extents or anything, but there have been some accidents in that sense. So, Nicholson, in the last minute or two that we have here, if you can, yeah. just at the very end of your article, you have a piece, you write, so how did we get this disease, the transmission of it? Yeah. If you can summarize yeah. that for us very briefly at the end right here, I'd really appreciate that. Sure. First of all, we're not try- there's no reason to demonize China in this. If this is a mistake that happened, it's a ma- mistake that happened in collaborations. A lot of different people, scientists internationally, made this mistake. And so it's not something that you want to just point at China and use it as some way to demonize a country. That's a terrible mistake. What happened in 2012, I think it was, some miners were put to work in an abandoned copper mine shoveling bat guano in southern China, way down by the border. And they shoveled this bat guano for seven days, and they got sick, really, really sick with an undiagnosable lung disease. Three of them died. And samples of their sickness went back to the lab at Wuhan. But also, the scientists from Wuhan went down to that copper mine and sampled the bats in that copper mine. It was heavily infested with bats, and they brought back a lot of bat samples. And one of those bat samples was called RATG-13, which stands for Rhinolophus affinus, which is the name of the bat, TG, which is Tongguan, which is the place the mine was, 13, which is 2013. That was that one of their several expeditions. Okay, that bat virus is, as proclaimed by the chief scientist virologist in Wuhan, Xi Zhongli, is the virus most closely allied to the current human coronavirus. So sitting in their laboratories and taken out of the freezer several times in Wuhan was this bat virus that is the most closely related organism. So obviously proximity is a massive thing. If, if in the center of this city where the virus broke out is the thing most closely related to it and it's nowhere else in the world except in a tiny copper mine down in Tongguan, That means if you are a self-respecting scientist, you have to knock on the door of that laboratory as soon as possible. And instead, there has been no investigation. It's not that it's proven. It's not that it's absolutely true. It's just that it's a scientific possibility. And China has limited their own scientists in looking into the origins. You know, there's a lot that's been happening throughout this whole year. And obviously, we're distracted. We were distracted with trying to get better, with trying to get the vaccines working, you know, Mm -hmm. so now that we have that, it is time to kind of go back and look at the origins. And there's a lot of questions. And that's why I really enjoyed reading your article so much, because you raise a lot of questions. And that's what we need right now. We need to go through them, try to get those answers and find out what really happened. So like I said, I suggest everybody check it out. Nicholson's article, it's very thorough. And there's a lot of stuff to think about. Nicholson Baker, 
author of 17 books, contributor to New York Magazine. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Oscar. It was a pleasure. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.